Welcome, everyone. Welcome. It's so good to see you all here. Um, I'm Carolyn, and this is Stephanie, and we're the co-hosts of the Making Strides podcast. That's the man. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Uh, um, so, in briefly, you know, I'm a runner, a mother, advocate here uh, in the Boston area. I'm the creator and founder of the Instagram platform Diverse We Run, where I write weekends. Thank you for that as well, um, where I write weekly stories of runners who are people of color um, to help amplify our stories and to create space for us, because quite frankly, our experience in running is largely shaped and affected by our cultural backgrounds and our race. So um, yes, and Stephanie here, I feel like it needs no introduction. Um, she is an ultra marathoner. She holds the second fastest 100 miler time on trail in the world. Okay. And she's a running coach and she's a, she's a surgeon who has her own private practice. And she's a freelance writer for Trail Runner Magazine. And she's a content creator on Relay on Patreon. So this is Stephanie, and Stephanie's going to introduce yeah. our wonderful friend here. Thank you so much, Carolyn. You are much too kind to me as always. Um, hi, everyone. It's so nice to see all of you. Uh, we're so grateful for everyone that's attending today. Uh, it truly kind of feels like a family here, so we're very appreciative of that. Um, it is my honor to introduce my, our close friend, Miss Myrna Valerio, also known as the Myrnavator. Uh, Myrna really doesn't need an, an introduction here, but I will kind of walk through um, who Myrna is. Um, first and foremost, she's a trailblazer, someone who is so inspiring to me, someone I very much look up to in this space and have for a very long time. Um, it's an honor to have her with us. Um, she is a former educator, an ultra runner, a former cross country coach, 20 the 2018 national geographic adventure of the year author of a beautiful work in progress her incredible memoir um really she has accomplished so many different things and has paved the way in this sport in terms of representation um, for both body image race and just being an incredibly strong female voice in this space so we are so fortunate to have you here myrna thank you thank you wow <laughs> <laughs> it never gets old, y'all. <laughs> like, and? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think we definitely wanted to keep this conversation more of like a living room space and just sharing about our experiences, kind of having Verna weigh in on her experiences, um, just touching base on how she handles certain situations and experiences in the running world. Uh, I feel like Carolyn and I have really wanted to have this conversation with her for a long time. So very appreciative uh, for her to be here. <laughs> so, yes. And to add on top of that, we really wanted to take this opportunity. I feel like this is a very unique, um, a unique opportunity where we are three, you know, women who are women of color mm -hmm. um, and we carry a lot of different, we carry a lot of different complex identities. Um, within the running space and in life in general. And I feel like that's what makes our con conversation unique here today and where we can be very candid and very honest. And just a disclaimer up front, it might get uncomfortable at some points, um, but if you do feel uncomfortable, I hope that 
you can sit in the discomfort a little bit um, and continue to also hold space and reflect on where that discomfort may be coming from. This just got real serious real fast. And it did not mean that. <laughs> but just saying. Um, yeah. So without further ado, Myrna. Yeah. Well, we first, wanted. Yeah. First, Myrna, how are you? I'm, I'm good. Uh, my body is hurting. Uh, I just came back from Aspen. Um, uh, learning how to snowboard. Um, and the reason I was having trouble getting up is his chair is because I jammed my thumb while I fell. So that was not very glamorous <laughs> getting up in a chair, but I'm good. I, I'm, I'm really good. I feel it really honored to be here in this space. Uh, I was here a year ago doing a different kind of conversation. Uh, and I'm so happy to be here um, with other women of color, uh, just kind of talking about our experiences in, uh, in running, uh, because as you said, they are varied uh, and, and very complex. Um, but yeah, like I'm so happy to be, I'm happy I'm not running on Monday. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did the Boston Marathon in 2018. Y'all remember that year? Sleet, like sideways sleet, um, and rain, and and I was also sick. I had the flu. I didn't know until remember that Martinez had the flu, and then you interviewed me right after. Yeah. Oh, no. and Martinez was there, and he, along with our our friend Latoya Snell, and I was in such a bad mood when I crossed the finish line, and somebody like bumps me, and I was like. <laughs> and they were like, fix your face. <laughs> fix your attitude, fix your face. You just finished the Boston Marathon and you're, you're public. So just get it together. So uh, that was my experience <laughs> in 2018. So I'm glad I didn't do it on Monday. <laughs> How are y'all? Doing well. <laughs> Doing well. I hopped into the 26 point true race this morning, which was absolutely incredible. I did I did pull out at 18. I only had 18 on my so lazy today. Uh, no, but it was such an awesome run. Um like I I ran Boston in 2019, but be not having any connection to the Boston area, it's like now I realize I wasn't actually running in Boston like for very long because that's the nature of the course. So it was incredible today to experience the actual city and see the different neighborhoods. Uh What are we training for? Why did you uh, do 18? today i'm training for a little race called western states Western little race that's uh, a hundred miles or so you know no big deal <laughs> no big deal to you either though Myrna. <laughs> ultra runner here was 2018 the only time was how many other times have you run boston uh just the one I, i'm from new york so new york <laughs> city marathon is my marathon okay okay no no shade to boston yeah <laughs> um so how was your experience in aspen tell us a little bit more about being in the outdoor space in colorado has anyone been we're... to aspen oh okay oh, okay. okay it's very expensive and the the airport is uh full of private jets or private planes they're not like huge um i was there for uh culture shifters um program for people of color in snow sports and uh and it was very funny because <laughs> when we're there and this is much like any outdoor industry event where you invite a lot of people of color you know we filled up the planes and people were like what's going on here oh, oh is this a is this a a, a by BIPOC? Oh, yes. It's, it's, it's a BIPOC event, you know? Um, oh, okay. Oh, like a minority thing. I'm like, 
A people of color event, yes. Um, and you know, where where the purpose is to get bring together people who are in snow sports to bring more people, to inspire more people to get out on the mountains and, and in the outdoors in general. And you know, it's always a little uncomfortable because, you know, it's we're in a in a primarily white space. And uh, you know, we're in the hotel, we were staying in at the limelight with a bunch of windows and people would walk by and gawk at us. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and I say that because that is very um, uh, often the experience that, that that I have just you know being by myself or when I'm in a group of other people of color doing things outdoors uh, uh, and running, you know. Oh, I didn't know, I didn't know uh, black people did that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I didn't know Latinos. I'm also Latinx. Um, my my uh, half of my family is from Honduras and Central America, and so like there's you know it's like oh, I didn't know I didn't know you guys did that. I didn't know you guys. Uh, you know, ran, or what are you doing here? Like um, running or skiing or snowboarding, just like everybody else, you know? And so, yeah, so that's, that's how that was. It was awesome, we, we had a great time, but, the, but there were also those experiences um, that come with being in a group of uh, people of color, mm-hmm. all the, anywhere we go, even, you know, even here in Boston. Yeah, um, actually, so I'm like getting over my nerves right now. So I'm kind of like coming up with ideas of what we, what I wanted to actually talk to you about. Um, Myrna, can you share with us a little bit of your family background and how that plays a role in played or currently still plays a role in um, in you getting into the outdoors or you continuing, you know, um, your pursuits of either running snowboarding skiing all of that and i and i ask that because like just coming from my own personal experience you know as a chinese american woman i don't have that family support not that they don't support me but just there's a lot of like confusion just like what you were saying Mm -hmm. like oh i didn't like not only are people outside of our communities asking well i was saying like i didn't know you guys did that but people within our communities (laughs) oftentimes are also like why are you doing this Mm -hmm. and kind of treating it as like, when are you going to get over this hobby or you're going to hurt yourself or, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm just wondering like how, what was your family experience like? Yeah. I, um, that's a great question. I grew up in Brooklyn. Okay. (laughs) Uh, New York, not Brooklyn, Ohio or Maryland or anything like that. Uh, uh, I, uh, yeah, born and raised, uh, and now live in Vermont (laughs) and, and, you know, and this is important because my family's like, so um why yeah. <laughs> how do you live in Vermont? and then when i encounter people in vermont they're like so so you're from new york um huh. okay so why why are you here um so i i had very early experiences in the outdoors uh i as i said i grew up in a, in you know in a city and uh we had lots of public private partnerships that that took us to different places like sleepaway camp and stuff like that and so that's how i got my early exposure to doing stuff outdoors and so i was always very very curious about every of uh, too curious and my family would always get very annoyed with me because i'd always run off and be doing digging up worms and stuff like in like in the sidewalk cracks oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and so um so that's how that was and and you know my family has always seen me like i'm i've always kind of been an outsider mm-hmm. uh, in all senses of the word and uh and always like just doing off doing my own thing and so that's that's how that was and they they and my, my family is really cool about that they're they're like burn is probably up on a mountain somewhere that's <laughs> that's what she that's what she do 
<laughs> you know, and so so that was cool. And I've always been supported in that way, although, you know, my home community doesn't really understand why I do the things I do. But I will say that, you know, when I invite them to go out on a hike or something or like, hey, do you want to, you know, just go take a walk with me somewhere? They will, because now they're curious. They've seen me on Instagram. They they've seen all the cool things that I get to do and they want some of it. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my brother, they, they've been influenced. <laughs> right. Um <clears throat> And my brother, for example, my brother who is, he's the baby of the family. I'm the oldest and the best, um, you know, alpha daughter, you know. Um, he He's seen me do all the things that I do. And like after the New York City Marathon, this boy, uh, he, I mean, he's a, a boy to me, he's 32, <laughs> went out and the day after the marathon, he's like, I'm going to, I think I'm going to explore the marathon route. So he went to Staten Island, took a bus to Staten Island, did something in Staten Island, took the bus back to Brooklyn and then walked the rest of the marathon. It ended up with like 30 miles. Oh my gosh. And um, and I'm like, that's amazing. Now you're gonna do a marathon with me. Yeah. <laughs> you did it yourself. And so that's been really cool to see that kind of influence in the family, um, in, in my friend community. When I, when I restarted running after my health scare in 2008, um, People said, "Hey, can I run with you? Can I? Can I? Well, can I go to the gym with you?" Because they saw me doing it. So it's been a really positive influence, um, even though I didn't necessarily grow up in a culture that did movement like I do now. Because their priorities were other. Yeah, you know, yeah. keeping a roof over our heads, yeah. uh, making sure the kids went to school, making sure we had clothes, and so there wasn't this as they saw luxury time exactly to do other things even though you know we know now we know more and more that these things are so important for our longevity um but the the you know the focus was on keeping us well fed and alive and uh and making sure everybody had a job that sort of thing so so there that's that's where the real dichotomy lies and 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 my family and my, my family culture is like you know these things are seen as um or were seen as not really that necessary mm-hmm. you know so um so yeah but now they're they're they've they've come around uh they still think the things that i do are crazy and they're like begging me not to go skydiving because like you know <laughs> you look at my because they have a that way they're like what are you gonna do next <laughs> like, but uh but it, it's cool to see that 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 they have been influenced yeah that. that's awesome steph yeah what are you well here in terms of what, <laughs> you know, like your family yeah. and community, sure. if that influenced or Im- how that impacted you in any way in like, yeah, entering into sport. Right. Well, my family is a little bit different. I feel like my dad, uh, my dad is white. My mom is Chinese, Japanese, American. Um, my dad is an extremely talented former, former NCAA athlete. Um, my mom um, is third generation Chinese Japanese, um, so I'm a little bit further removed from like a traditional Asian upbringing. Um, so definitely, sport was encouraged um, in my family. Me and my siblings, my my two older sisters, were always in sport and activity. But I do feel like um, I was maybe pushed a little bit more towards academia, like piano, ballet, those types of things, and maybe less towards contact sports or things, even even running. Like I, I didn't for, I didn't run in high school. I didn't run in college. Um, it was more of this like ancillary activity that I did with my dad. Um, so my experience is definitely different than both of yours. Um, but I, I do feel like there is very much a focus on academia and maybe, you know, oh, okay, like sport, you know, and exercise is a little bit, it's important, but maybe a little bit more on the back burner. Um, 
I definitely don't feel like I saw many athletes, um, whether it was in ballet, soccer, running, growing up, that looked like me. Mm -hmm. um, so I know that that's been on the forefront of my mind um, now in my own professional running career. But how about you, Carolyn? Whoa. I know well, you touched so on it a little <laughs> bit, but. Gosh. Um, yeah, no, I kind of grew up like not not being encouraged in sports and uh and I kind of like stumbled my way into it more or less because I had an eating disorder and mm -hmm. you know running was the sport that all the health and fitness magazines basically touted as like the most the most efficient effective way to uh to burn you know burn calories and to be lean and um when I did start running I didn't know anybody else in my friend group or just in my like community in general who ran like I had one friend who we considered like the weird one or the odd one because he liked to do outdoor adventure things you know and so like he was the one who then I asked like do you want to go running with me like do are you okay with you know like doing this and um and so you know we went for our first run together and it wasn't until like Years later, I was out, um, I was back visiting my family um, in Houston and I was out in our neighborhood running and I saw another auntie who is like another older woman, um, my parents' age and like we all like, we kind of grew up in the same church setting together. So I recognized her and she was out running. And like that just was mind blowing to me because that I just, I was like, this doesn't make sense. And what are you doing out here? But she was out there running. So then I like, I was like, I got to go talk to her. And I went and like chatted with her. And it turns out like this woman, she, I think she probably was like late thirties or something at the time. But in my mind, I was like, oh, she's old. She's like older. And, and, um, I thought you were talking about like, an 80 year old. College student of mine, Auntie Estella, like, what are you doing? And like, it turns out she had run the Houston Marathon, not just once, but she had run it like many, many years in a row because she worked for, um, she worked for Memorial Herman and they, they do like charity fundraising for it every year. So at that point she had run it like 11, 12 years in a row. Mm. And that was the first time I had learned of this thing called a marathon that like you have to train for it. It's 26.2 miles and you run the whole thing. Like, what is this? And so after that, I looked up more of like, okay, well looked up like there was, the internet was not very prolific at that time. I was, it was like, I went to the bookstore and looked at the running magazines and like learned and tried to figure out what is this thing called the marathon and, um, and decided, well, you know, like I lived in Austin at the time and there is an Austin marathon there in February. It's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to train for this and I'm going to figure out how to run this. But there was like, no, again, I need that one weird guy who ran, not really, not even ran. And so I really didn't have anything else to go by. And this reverb is okay. Okay. <laughs> Better. Okay. No. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, I talked with my friend and he basically told me, well, if you can run half the distance, you can run the whole thing. Like, cool. So <laughs> I real thing. Good logic. <laughs> yeah. Like, that works. And so 
I had no idea what a training plan was. I thought training was just you like every day of the week, you try to go run a few miles. And then like at some point, I'll eventually reach 13 miles. And then after that, I'll be good to go. And um, my parents didn't really understand what was going on, like what I was doing and like why I wanted to spend money to like register for this marathon thing. Um, and I like I was a college student at the time. I had like I, I found a pair of shoes from the bargain bin somewhere. Um, I was I ran the marathon in basketball shorts and like an old cotton T-shirt. I did not know anything about fueling. I didn't know about like hydration, nothing. I like, I really confidently lined up that day and was like, I can do this. <laughs> you know, like, Auntie Estella can do it. I can do it. I could not do it. it. Well, I mean, I finished it, but it was so hard. And I mean, to my parents' credit, like, they drove up there to Austin to support their <laughs> their daughter that they didn't understand. Um, <laughs> but like, definitely by mile six. I totally bonked because again, I didn't, I wasn't fueling. I didn't hydrate or anything. I was like running off of, I don't know, uh, adrenaline. Um, at some point I remember looking at the curb. I was running up a hill on one of the major streets. I looked at the curb and was like, this is it. This is where I'm going to die. <laughs> My parents are not going to know where to find me. And like the headlines and the news the next day is going to say like Asian girl dies trying to run marathon. And like, that's it. And like, and I finished and then my parents were like, okay, good. Like, got that out of your system. Like, <laughs> can you go back and focus on your studies? Like you are here at university to be a student. Um, and, uh, and then I also had sustained two stress fractures because oh, I also no. did not understand shin splints. You're supposed to rest. Also because I think culturally speaking, you know, mm -hmm. um, my parents, you know, my parents are immigrants from Taiwan and culturally speaking there's a lot of like you push through the pain of anything mm -hmm. in life or physically you know like if you do have any physical ailments on things like you also just deal with it you suck it up and you didn't deal with it um and you go because that's what my parents had to do right like you just do that to have you have to survive um if every yeah i think like in their mindset and in their generation like if everyone just like took a break <laughs> to rest when they felt tired, we would never survive, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that really translated into my running mm -hmm. um, and mindset of like, did not like kind of quashing what my body was telling me, you know, um, not really being in tune with signals um, and because it was all about like grind culture, like, mm -hmm. and finishing what you started and like, pushing 110%, right? We don't do that anymore, right? Right, right, no, no, like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> so um, all I had to say, like, that was kind of my entry into running and like, I felt, I still feel like many times, like my parents um, still don't fully understand necessarily. But I've definitely you seen know? your dad on Instagram, <laughs> on the Peloton. Yes, 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 <laughs> as he's when is at your house. He likes being active, I gotta say. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when he came, my parents came to visit it's uh, so cute. a few months ago, I think. Yeah. Like we got a Peloton during the pandemic and my dad loves it. <laughs> and he's doing, he's, like, he's doing like four workouts a day or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like <laughs> after dinner, he'd be like, hey, you know what? Uh, 
I feel, I feel like, you know, maybe I just need to like move, get a little more movement in. And then like, he'd be in the basement, like doing more. Changing the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I like to think it's because of me, but I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. That's just, um, they're still, I think they're slowly coming to see that running isn't going anywhere in my life. Yeah. Um, but I think it does make me think about, um, how this narrative is not uncommon. Um, and especially as I write diversely run stories, mm -hmm. you know, um, it does seem like for many people, when sport is not something that is a part of your culture or lifestyle growing up, and, and which is common when you're either in um, areas that are under-resourced and you have other priorities to like keep your family alive mm -hmm. or you know um, immigrant families uh, from other cultures where like sport is not woven into a daily part of your life mm -hmm. um, that it's hard to get that family community support and when you don't have that family community support and when you're constantly feeling like you have to explain or defend you know like why you are prioritizing yeah. running, spending money and resources, you know, on on this thing. Like um it it can feel like you're alone. Yeah, right? I definitely had a an experience a, a couple of experiences like that. And um say Thanksgiving, for example, mm -hmm. um, where, you know, I was in, you know, it was probably around 2010. Um, and I was real, I was just training a lot. And the, like one of the only things that got me out of bed was going for a run. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so it was Thanksgiving. We were up in Albany with my family. Um, and so I got up to go do the Troy turkey trot or something like that. And my, and I was at my cousin's house and like all the women do the, all the cooking and the men just kind of sit around and be jerks all day and you know hashtag not all men and <laughs> oh don't at me <laughs> okay and so and i got up super early to go do this uh it was this 10k and my cousin was like do you have to get up and run aren't you supposed to be cooking i was like first of all why don't you go get in the kitchen Okay, I won't let my Brooklyn come out. Um, <laughs> why don't you go? And I'm just, I'm running. I need to run so I can be healthy for my son. You see what happened? I was in a hospital and everything, you know. Oh, 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 whatever, whatever. So, um, so, and that, I, I came up against that a couple of times. So do you have to go run? For my, even for my own husband, like, my husband's from West Africa. And, um, and you know, he is also, like, the guys will go out and they'll play soccer and, and stuff like that. And that's a normal thing. But the, the women won't. Um, and uh, and don't because that is not um, what again not everyone in West African culture um, which is not you not not a monolithic culture but um, but it you know even his his mom my 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 mother in law would be like what are you doing I'm like I'm I'm going out to to go run or I'm gonna go out for a walk or something why I was like because I have to take care of myself mm -hmm. uh, and it's I, and I need to move my body so that I not just so that I can be there for people, so that I can be there for myself, and it is, and it's, and it's sometimes a completely foreign concept. 
um, to, uh, you know, very patriarchal societies, which is like on most societies, you know, where the, 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 the women do all of the housework and all of the child rearing and, and stuff and that. And I was like, <laughs> that is not who I am. Right. Um, and so and and I am the better for it. And and the, and the cool thing, as I said before, it, it is um, there is there has been a ripple effect uh, on my family and in, in my and my larger um, family community that women are now um, taking care of themselves and in, in, in the ways that they need to. Maybe it's not running. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's just going out for a walk. Maybe it's uh, going and, and sitting in a dark room <laughs> by themselves without children or other family members up in their faces. That's not what I do. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's, I think it's, you know, so that I mentioned your father because I think that's a cool thing to have seen. You know, you're doing all this stuff for yourself uh, because it's something that you need to do and that you want to do and something that fills your soul in, in many different ways. Uh, I think people see the joy um, and the changes in, in our mental health and, 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 and the vibes that we give out to each other just to the world um when we when we do do these things that have previously been seen as luxuries or as unnecessary so kudos to you okay pa yeah all right oh i know i'm proud of him i'm curious because carolyn you and i had a conversation and you told me a story that you hadn't told me before um, about attending a race expo and i think oh, yeah. myrna you also touched on it um when you mentioned your being here in Boston, running 2018. Um, Carolyn, your story really resonated with me um, just because I feel like I have experienced that in a similar way, uh, but within like the trail and ultra space and kind of learning how to stand my ground, stand in my power, um, be confident in who I am and where I have come to be. Um, but I would really like you to touch on that story that you shared with me if you feel comfortable doing so and I, I really feel like it will tie in with something Myrna that you were starting to mention when I asked about your experience in Colorado um, I'd love to compare not compare but I'd love to just share our experiences um, and kind of chat through that yeah um, so the first and only Boston Expo Boston Marathon Expo that I went to was I want to say 2018 20 well I think it was 2018 actually yeah that year <laughs> Um, that year. Um, but yeah, so at that time, you know, I just kept hearing all these things about like how wonderful, like, you know, the Boston Marathon is made to be this like, I don't know. Yeah, this unicorn, right? Like pinnacle type of race and race experience. Um, and uh, I had, was talking with some runner friends here in the Boston area and they were like, you know, you don't even, you can, anybody can go to the expo. Anyone and everyone, you know, like welcome to go to the expo and you like check out, like, like see all the new gear that's out there and like really see basically like experience it. Like that's a really cool and unique experience in and of itself. Like you don't even have to be a Boston qualifier to like go. And so at that time I was really, I mean, I was like wanting to bring my family in to experience this world of running that I so loved. Um, and my kids were like just old enough to where they can handle themselves, you know, um, on the tee and everything. And so like I hyped it up to them like, OK, you're going to get to see like what mommy likes to do. And like and I was like looking forward to meeting with like Instagram friends and stuff there, too. And um, and so like I haul the family into the city and we go to the expo and um, 
And it was, it was just overwhelming, first of all. I don't know if you guys feel that way. Right. Um, I know that the expo has like been parsed down a little bit more in the recent years, but it was overwhelming. Like first just being hit with the like the ocean of jackets. Of, like everybody's got the, you know, the different colored stripes and a status know. symbol, you know? Yeah. Oh, totally it really is. Um, and so there was that like, okay, everybody else like it just was a very like stark and immediate um kind of like categorizing of who has the jackets and who does not and why I, I did not and i was like okay okay that's okay like i knew that i didn't qualify for boston i'm like i'm not even running boston i'm here to like bring my family to experience the world of running cool 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 um but it did get a little bit um i guess some of the experience was uh pretty par for the course, I guess, as I have experienced in other race expos where like the vendors and people who are there to kind of like showcase whatever shoe, gear, item, um, for it just seemed like nobody like saw me and my family. Um, and everybody, like not everybody, but like people would definitely prioritize like the white runners who were around me, whether or not they were wearing the marathon jackets. Can I ask you a question? You know? Did you ever, like, like when people, when brands are giving out free items, mm -hmm. uh, do they look at you kind of weird? They give every, they give, I, I encounter this a lot where um, at a lot of expos and events where things are give, being given out for free and I'll show up and they won't want to give me something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or they'll be like, oh, are you running? Yeah. Or, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So, sorry, just, yes. Yes, okay, I th It was not just you. I totally, I felt, I felt like I was being like shamed for like also wanting to try the tiny cup of noon or something, you know, like, <laughs> like, can I try the tiny cube of, you know, gel or something? And um, whereas it just seemed like everybody else had this kind of like, confidence and assurance to just like go up and get what they wanted to get and try what they wanted to try. And then the vendor people would like immediately, it would be, you know, like have a sense of familiarity mm -hmm. and talking to them and like telling them about the things and asking, like, oh, so you're ready to run on Monday and da da da. And, um, and so like, so I, I found myself feeling like I had to like make my presence bigger. Mm -hmm. And also because my kids were there and mm -hmm. I didn't want like, I think if my kids were not there, the old Carolyn would have just been like, okay, you know what? I don't think this is, okay, I don't want to be here anyway. This isn't for me. And kind of just like, get, let's just get out of here because this whole place is making me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But the fact that I had my kids with me too, and I just kind of, I was like, no. Like, we're here. I wanted them to experience the running commun community, running world. Mm -hmm. Um, this is a part of my life and I want them to try these things. And, and so I'm going to like stand my, I'm going to make myself bigger. I'm going to initiate, I'll make the eye contact and I'll like ask and like speak and take up the space to do that because I do not want to model for them someone who shrinks herself, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so there was that aspect that I did not expect to have to mentally kind of like work through. But then of course the other aspect of like, the vendors who did talk to me assumed that I was running the marathon and then me having to be like, oh, I'm not actually running off something. I didn't actually qualify for anything. And, um, and so then I guess I just like, 
the whole experience was, I think, such a, like, there was just such a disparity in, like, my expectations of hearing that, like, this expo is open to everyone, anyone. Mm -hmm. This is the running world. Like, it's so mm -hmm. inclusive and for everyone. Like, and wanting to bring my family into that and, like, but the reality of it being so, like, othering feeling and I didn't have the words at the time to really name what it was sure. but I left feeling like just ugh mm. you know um really small honestly mm. whereas my kids were like hopped up on all the like samples and things that they ate and they had a blast um but yeah so I have not gone back to the expo since mm. um but like I said, I think, unfortunately, though, the whole um, questioning of whether or not right. you're there to run, you know, mm -hmm. like that feeling definitely was something I, I feel all the time at any race expo that I go to that, like, I just at this point now, I know, like, I'm just go in, get my bib out of there because I don't need to be made to feel right. Well, yeah. It, and it's. I don't. um this doesn't happen quite as often now uh, because a lot of people do know who I am. But before, when I'd show up at a race, maybe not the Boston Marathon, because when, when I did the Boston Marathon, I was with uh, a team, right? Uh, and that's a whole other story because people are like, well, how did you get in? Oh, okay. <laughs> did you run, are you doing charity? You know, like like as if that's a bad thing. And I know that's a whole conversation <laughs> like, on Allison Disease's yeah, uh, Instagram yeah. right now. Um, so I won't really get into that. But so there was that aspect of it. So I, so I had a really great, I didn't have to pick up my own bib, so, so that was amazing. But I have shown up at races, and um, where you know I'm waiting on the line to pick up my bib, uh, to pick up my stuff, and um, you know everyone but before me is like, oh, can you just give me your name. Uh, okay, great, Smith, great, Wilson, awesome. Uh, I give him my name, Valerio. Do you have an ID? Uh, I cannot tell you how many times that has happened to me. I'm like, what do you think I'm here for? And dressed in running clothes. <laughs> Who watched this? I'm not trying to steal your nasty <laughs> shoes. <laughs> and it's and it's like and that it's othering, it's belittling, it's denigrating, and and then it just leaves a really bad flavor in your mouth. And I yeah. then I just don't want to run after that. Yeah, I don't want to have given my money to your race organization or one of my sponsors. I don't know giving you money, um, <laughs> um, you know, for you to question my very existence. Mm -hmm. Why would I drive up to the woods yeah. as a black woman mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> on purpose, <laughs> you know, to do something bad? Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's it's. <laughs> Yeah. It, it, it just blows my mind that that sort of thing happens, you know, and, I, and I've told this, this other story before where not necessarily at a race expo where, where I was, uh, and this is also in Allison's book, she tells us uh, the story, um, I was, when I lived down in Georgia, uh, yeah, you know, I was, I ran a lot on my own street, Wolf Fork Road in Rabin County, Georgia, <laughs> um, and every, every weekend I'd be there doing my long run. In running clothes, right? You know, because when you you know run, typically you wear running clothes, right? Right, tights. I may I might have had a colorful skirt on, uh, you know, a running cap. I had a, a Nathan pack, 
Um, and I was, yeah, I ran with a stick because there were a lot of dogs, a lot of loose dogs. Um, it was a walking stick and, and, um, you know, I didn't hit the dogs. I'm not that, I'm not that person. Like I would just drum the, 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 the stick on the ground, you know, when they approached, right. Cause they were very aggressive, but I needed to get my run done. So I was doing 18 miles one day. I'm on mile 16, two miles away from home on my own road. Uh, again, looking very bright and colorful. I had pink tights on y'all pink tights, right? Not a very threatening color. So I'm two miles away from home. This white SUV is coming in the other direction, they, and they stop. I'm like, okay, well, I waved, you know, because you do that down south. You wave at everybody, even if they're, uh, they have a Confederate flag on their car. You wave at everybody. It's, it's a thing. Because um, they will complain if you didn't wave. <laughs> um, it'll get back to you. So, uh, so yeah, I keep, you know, I'm trying. I'm like run walking because, you know, I got two miles uphill to go. So this person stops, and I can see that she's, she's got her phone. She's uh, looking at me, and she's like doing her phone, and then she is on her phone. Mm. So I'm like, okay, I don't know what that's about, so keep running. And I run by her, and I wave, you know, because that's what you do. Not five minutes later, a cop comes from this direction behind me slows down, looks at me through the window, and I'm like, and I wave, and I'm, I'm trying to be very non-threatening. <laughs> Put a big smile plastered on my sweaty face, and then I turned around and kept running, and then another cop came from the other direction after this person uh, left, and I waved again, and I was like, what fuck? Yeah. Did this just happen on my own street? And this is a woman who was from, well, was not from Georgia or uh, like her place said North Carolina, right? So you don't even live here. Mm. You don't even live here. And you think that I don't belong on my own street. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, to top it off, when I, you know, I get back home, I'm really upset about this. I, I mean, I had a great run. It was 18 miles. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like when you finish 18 miles, you feel, <sighs> I mean, you hurt, <laughs> but you like, I just did that, yeah. right? So I get home, you know, shower, and I'm at a boarding school, so I was on duty that weekend, and so I had to go to a meal afterwards, and I, and I was telling my, my colleagues about this, and they were all white, and they were like, well, maybe they were, um, maybe, the gaslighting started, maybe, um, you know, because you were running with a stick, they, um, maybe they thought you were a stick in pink pants. Y'all think I was doing something? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what was I doing? <laughs> um, yeah, or maybe, you know, maybe because she hadn't seen you before. I was like, but she was, she's from North Carolina. She's not from here. Mm -hmm. You know, and it was all of this questioning my, my lived experience. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, trying to excuse others' poor behavior. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's something that, that, you know, has lessened today, as I said, because people, you know, when they see me on the street, a lot of people do know who I am. Um, but, uh, but then there's, there's still communities that I run in, well, that I won't run in now, now mm -hmm. because I'm afraid to run in them, even in Vermont. Vermont is not the progressive uh, <laughs> uh, the bastion uh, uh, everywhere, you know, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you're shocked, big shock. <laughs> but um, yeah, so like, so those are things that actually really happen uh, that are scary. That you know, um, I've had people sick their dogs on me when I'm on the bike in Vermont. Mm. 
And um, so, yeah, still happens. We still have a lot of work to do in, in all of the uh, industries that we're in. Um, but I, I would beg you as, 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 as people who are in the running community that when you see stuff like that to disrupt it, to say something, you know, if you see something, say something, you know how they say, um, it, it works, you know, and I, and I hope that when, you know, when you leave from this conversation, you know, that, you know, maybe you share a story or maybe you think about something that you said or done or that you've seen something, some something uh, that you've seen happen uh, and that you can disrupt that behavior or think about a better way to deal with it. Because, you know, like running, the running is something that humans are meant to do. We are built to run. We are built to be outside, you know, in our bodies, enjoying the fullness and the wholeness of ourselves. Uh, and, and that's for everybody. Um, and the fact that, you know, like we have situations like these where, you know, we are where there are certain people who live in certain kinds of bodies or who uh, live in certain color skins or who have certain uh, abilities, you know, or who lack certain abilities. Like it's for all of us. Uh, and I hope that you come away from this um, knowing that uh, and spreading that message. Sorry, I was on my soapbox. No, yeah. <laughs> thank you for sharing. Um, I kind of, I wanted to share an experience with you that I had actually two days ago and Carolyn and I have been kind of mulling this over. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually had a discussion. Um, I kind of touched on it, um, with my wonderful therapist, Emily, who's in the audience right now. Um, so they therapy session for, <laughs> no, where's Emily? <laughs> All right. Um, I okay. just wanted to connect with the audience <laughs> real quick there. Um, but no, Carolyn and I have been talking, um, about, uh, this experience that I had a couple of days ago. Um, I have been living in Evergreen, Colorado for five years now. Um, it's about 45 minutes west, um, just up the hill towards like the ski resorts uh, in Colorado. First off, I love living in Colorado. So this is not a bash on where I live by any means. Um, been, my husband and I have been living in the same home for five years now. Like I mentioned, I've been doing all of my training, the same roads, the same trails, super, super consistent. Um, and granted in the past five years, you know, We've gone, we all gone through a pandemic. There's been a shift in things. Like it's not, you know, running on a public road, it might not be the same as it was previously, especially because I live by a public high school. Um, you know, there's been a lot of school shootings and things like that. So I can definitely understand like, you know, it's not a closed campus, but the concern these days for trespassing and things like that, especially when the students are in school. Um, but Myrna, I had just finished um, a workout, a very intense hill workout. Um, I had like mastered it. I had like felt so connected with who I am. Um, I had felt like the presence of a loved one um, that I'd recently lost. I was just feeling very in tune with myself and really like at peace um, and was just ready to do my cool down and feel very much just calm, collected, ready to then kind of move on and focus on this event and this week. Um, the way that the way that uh, the home that I currently live in is situated, I have to take a public road that kind of encircles the high school. Um, I have to run up a hill. At the top of the hill is a rec center, public rec center that then overlooks the high school. And then I have to come down that public road in order to get back up to my road. Um, so like I said, I'm in the zone. I'm feeling very, very calm. I'm like, yes, I nailed that session. And all of a sudden I see like a high school administrator come like tearing out of a building. I thought something was seriously wrong. And my mind initially went to like, oh my gosh, is there like a school shooter? What's going on? Like mm. I stopped I, and I turned, I was like, is everything okay? And she was like, no, it's not. She's like, you cannot be here. And she like got in my face 
and was like kind of chasing after me, even though I had stopped because I was very concerned, like, how can I help? Um, and she was like, you can't be here. Uh, and I was like, I'm just running on a public road right now. I have to use this public road to get back to my home in this neighborhood right here. I've also been, like I said, training and like the coaches, the teachers know me at this point. Not, not that that has anything to do with running professionally. I just mean, I'm a local in that area. Um, she was so, so angry to the point where she was like shaking. I was like, I'm so, I wanted to say, I'm so sorry, but then I, I stopped myself because I didn't need to apologize. I'm on a public road. And it was frustrating because... What did she mean by you can't be here? Yeah, well, then she immediately went to, I have to protect our children. And I thought, your story when you mentioned like pink tights, you have a smile plastered on your face. I feel like that's also how I run just innately through those areas because even though I have an understanding that I'm not doing anything wrong, it's this... Like, well, I need to be extra, extra careful and sure that I'm proving that I'm not doing something wrong. Um, and maybe this was just an individual person, but it's actually, it's probably the third or fourth encounter that I've had like that in my specific area where I live in Evergreen. And meanwhile, I see my next door neighbor, you know, walking her dog like around the track, which is, there's signs everywhere, no dogs, no bikes on the track. And nobody's bothering her. Right. And I actually, I brought this up to a coach one time that was trying to like kick me, kick me off the track. Um, and she said, well, I don't know you. I know her. And like, I really had to pause and think about how I wanted to respond to that. And the best response I could come up with in that moment, like trying to maintain a sense of calm was that that's not how laws work though. Oh, yes. Like, just because you know someone, like, th that doesn't make it okay. Um, That's yeah. an amazing response. Well, I love that. <laughs> That's not how laws work. Y'all remember it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I it's, it's shocking to me, and I feel like I do hold a certain privilege to where, like, I can put sunglasses on, and it might be a different situation, like, and it might, it's not for you. When I right? put sunglasses on, I look even scarier. <laughs> so. Right. And Myrna, I'm curious, like, I was really proud of that response in the moment. But unfortunately, like, I don't always have that, like, ability to center myself and come up with a very collected and kind of non-emotional response. And I'm curious how you, in all of the types of encounters and experiences that you've had, how have you developed and cultivated the ability to respond in a way that like is not you taking on the role of teaching someone because that's certainly not any of our jobs is to you know take that on there's a certain level of learning that also has to happen but how have you developed the ability to respond in a way that is like productive for you and you know the other person or the you know the business or something like that that's a really good question, and it's hard. Um, you know, I, I would say that I respond in a way like, Carolyn, you were talking about, you know, um, you assert yourself. So I become, I am not a naturally assertive person, but I have become very assertive. Uh, you know, I'm on the trails all the time by myself because I am so slow and nobody wants to run with me. <laughs> so, I want to run with you. you. Know, and, it's, and that's fine. That's fine. You know why? Because I don't want to run with you either. You know, but <laughs> no. And so I'm always by myself. And I, and I always do. I make sure that I am decked out in all the running clothes so people see me as a runner. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and if 
I, I do get a lot of like on the trails specifically because there's sometimes you're there and like uh, by yourself or like there are very few people on the trails and and so people will like oh I didn't see you I had to hear you and I make a lot of noise yeah. like I like I talk to myself I sing to myself um so and I'm like well have a great day and then I keep going because like I don't have the mental energy to be taking care of everybody else's emotions right. and yeah. and their right. their their fears of of who they think I might be or what I might do to them mm -hmm. uh you know even though I'm like ha I have my trekking poles and I got my Nathan and I got my this and I got like Lululemon on <laughs> like what the hell am I gonna do to you yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, you know, and so like, so that's, that's what I do. I'm like, well, have a great day. And I, and I, I do try to make people feel bad when they, when they respond to me in that way, you know, and I, and I, it's not killing them with kindness, but I'm like, have a great day. And I keep going on because again, I don't have time. I gotta, I gotta get my run done. I gotta get my hike done. I gotta go back and and write something. I gotta, you know, go, go get on a call. I don't have time to to take care of people in that way. Uh, and it's and it's sad that like I mean, I have many more positive experiences than than those. So that that is what fuels me, right? Those positive encounters of people like, oh hey, you know, I've seen you on Instagram, or oh my god, you know, like or like the people who are like, wow, you're. Why are you running? <laughs> I die. I get that a lot. Um, and you know, I'll lap people on a loop, and 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 um, they're like, "Oh, that's your fourth one." Um, oh, you're counting. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, and have a little fun with people, but like, so, but so that I I try to 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 remember and to hold uh, in my in my heart those encounters more than the other ones. But the, you know, they do color my experiences. Mm -hmm. When I go, I'm like, oh, I have to kind of put an armor on. Yeah. You know, and that that takes a chunk of mental energy. I always have to put this armor on. You know, uh, I live in a new community in Vermont and moved from Montpelier to this uh, city uh, called Winooski. And uh, and it's a different community that I'm used to. And uh, and I haven't done a lot of running outside because I I'm afraid <laughs> of, you know, encountering people who don't understand that. Yes, there's a black lady that lives on your street. Number one, two, she runs, um, you know, loops on, you know, around this block. And because I'll, you know, I get this all the time. And what's. What are you doing? You know, mm -hmm. but I, you know, my response is always like, good morning. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. uh, until I break them, you know, <laughs> with a <laughs> smile on your face, and I, you know, and, it, and it, it, it works a lot of the time. So, yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I think I think there are varying ways to, to deal with it. But I but again, I've become very assertive. And like when people doubt me, like on the trail and they're like, do you know what you're doing? Or, do you know where you're going? Um, do you know where you're going? <laughs> like, yeah. uh, I live here. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, uh, I, I get that a lot, too. So, yeah, I, you know, kill them with assertiveness. Uh, <laughs> maybe that's not a great way to say it. Uh, <laughs> shower them with assertiveness. Um, uh, and just, you know, like I have a job to do, so I'm going to do that job. One of my mantras is this is this is my job and I'm working. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. so that keeps me focused and centered mm -hmm. uh, and able to withstand all of that stuff. But also it gives me the energy to accept all the good stuff. Mm. I really like that. It, it's also it also reminds me of another conversation Carolyn and I were having about I over the years have really had to work to develop being assertive. And I feel like I have really fallen into a pattern of not like shrinking myself, but definitely like 
as a petite stashed Asian American female, it's almost just assumed like, oh, she's more mild mannered. She's quiet. And as I've been working to be more assertive, particularly in the workplace, like as an employer um, with my private practice, I've noticed like I have an employee that anytime it's not even me raising my voice, but it's anytime I assert myself as a leader, as an employer, as a business owner, she kind of like acts like I'm screaming or like, you know, being really just like unprofessional. Um, she's even made statements to my husband, who's also my business partner um, in our private practice, that if I'm not in the office that day and like, you know, something happens or a patient is a little bit, you know, unruly or anything like that, she says, I'm so glad Dr. Stephanie wasn't here today. Like She would have really like lost it. And I'm like, wait a minute. I have never... I've actually, I've never, like, to my knowledge, like, lost it um, in the workplace. I'm, I'm proud of that. But um, <laughs> but I'm curious. I feel like maybe my experience, like, in that type of perceived role, um, especially, like, here in the U.S., isn't, like, as Carolyn and I are Asian-American females, I feel like, do you experience the opposite? Every black woman. Exactly. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, not so yeah. much, not so much in the running space. Well, I was a teacher. Sure. I was a teacher for a long time and uh, in private schools. And, and you know, uh, if I did raise my voice, I'm loud anyway. I'm a singer. I'm loud. I, you know, uh, a little rambunctious. Um, you know, I would always get, you know, I needed to tone down. Um, and don't let me be in a group of black people because <laughs> that's scary to people. Um, but yeah, I would get like, oh, well, you're, you're very blunt or you're very, uh, especially in the South, I was very blunt. Uh, can you soften your tone a little bit? Mm. Um, well, I just ask them to do the job that they're supposed to do. Like yeah. that's what they're paid to do. But like, can you say it in a different way? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I haven't really, like, not so much in the, the running space and like I, you know, I'm, I've always been very honest. I've always been very, um, uh, you know, I think clear with people and, um, you know, and if they don't appreciate that, then what, what am I, what else am I supposed to do? Like, yeah. I can't, I can't tone, I'm a big girl. I cannot tone myself down. Like I just can't do it. And we don't um, want you to. No. And I, and I don't need to. So, um, uh, so I'm very thankful that I haven't, haven't really encountered that uh, in the running space or in the trail running space. And sure. And I, and I, yeah, that, that. I'm loud, but that, that's just who I am. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, you know, I, I feel like we, I will, I can't, again, I can't speak for all Asian Americans, nor can I speak for all Asian American females, but I think oftentimes what happens um, is that when we don't uh, behave according to what stereotype, you know, um, we're supposed to fit into, you know, like, for example, when you do speak more assertively, you know, as a business owner, you know, as an employer, um, then like it's jarring for people. They don't know like how to make sense of things. Mm -hmm. And I find that often, yeah, that's what I'm like having to kind of balance where while I'm pushing back against the stereotype that because I'm an Asian female that like I'm probably just going to be quiet or I'm probably kind of timid or, you know, that kind of stuff. Do they even and know you? I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like I have to like almost like prove myself mm -hmm. and my existence being different. But then like when I do prove myself to be different than the stereotype, all of a sudden then people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
like that also is unacceptable mm -hmm. you know like because you you're not like i now i cannot like put you into the context that i think you're supposed to be in right yeah and anyway i just sorry well, no. well on my mind like as i mean i think about that a lot like yeah the different experiences that like we encounter as women mm -hmm. um in trail or on the road or in in the outdoors but then also layered into that like the stereotype of asian women or the stereotype of black women and like how ultimately it's all still rooted in the same problematic yeah it's like you know uh are you supposed to be in this space right right, right. Um, there's a lot of research uh, specifically around black people being in public spaces and it, uh, and it's called, uh, it's like uh, black people being perceived as nuisances in public spaces, mm -hmm. right? And there's a mm -hmm. lot of research around that. And so, which is like why the whole uh, concept of Karen came about because of all of this, right. you know, we're, we are in public spaces doing the things that uh, everybody else is doing, but we're the ones that get, we get penalized for that. And so like, that's, that's why like that woman called the cops on me. She didn't think I belonged in that space. Mm -hmm. that, this is why Ahmad Arbery got mm -hmm. killed because they thought they thought he wasn't supposed to be in that space running, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so there's that. And then there's this sort of expectation of behavior of who you, who they think you are supposed to be and yeah. how you are supposed to comport yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so when you go outside of their perceived norms, then it's, it's wrong. Yeah. Right. And that's where the whole concept of othering comes like, like when, when you step out of what the dominant narrative or the dominant norm mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. uh, which is usually a white norm, mm -hmm. then then there's a problem. Yep. Right. Yeah. So, so that's, and I think that is where, you know, our stories uh, have some commonality, like mm -hmm. you, uh, you know, as an Asian person, like, you know, you're, you're supposed to be docile mm -hmm. right. and quiet. Yeah. Personally, I don't know any quiet, <laughs> quiet, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, but I get it. Like, because that's what, that's what's portrayed in, in popular media. Yeah. Right. That's how y'all are supposed to be. Right. Uh, you know, when I can't remember her name, the woman that was in, um, crazy rich Asians, uh, the Candace. female for, yeah. Uh -huh. You know, when she asked for more money or yes. like, when she, yeah, Constance. 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 yes. You know, you. that she went outside, yep. that she got everybody got mad at her because she yeah. asked for her worth. Yes. She exactly. asked for time off. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a problem mm -hmm. because they probably hadn't experienced that before. Um, and so I can go on and on. I'm like, girl, don't get me started. <laughs> we can talk about. But uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, I think I think uh, the more that we are out here doing these things, mm -hmm. uh, the more that I hate the term like crushing stereotypes oh, or gosh. smashing barriers. It's not good for right. it's not good for fat people. <laughs> like, it's not, no, seriously. No, serious. Like I don't like to use that stuff, that those phrases. But like, you know, or like disrupting the yeah. narratives that yeah. people have, disrupting those 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 commonly held misperceptions about who we are, who we can be, where we are supposed to be mm, yeah right and i and i and i really appreciate this conversation that we're having because yeah um i it's it's really important yeah you are reminding me just of like kind of the the nativism that can really exist like especially in the running world and it's it's not a dog on the sport that like i have literally centered my life around that i love and care about so much but even like you know the first like really like breakout like 
ultra performance that I had that like fortunately led to a, like a national title. Like, damn. Well, no, I'm not trying to drop that, but it was one of those things. You know what? It's okay to drop it. What's that title? What's that title? And what? 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 It's a U.S. national title, but that's oh, not the point of that. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's not the point of this. It's just you were reminding me of the nativism that I really felt. Um, I was at the award ceremony, and the fourth place woman, who I respect, and she is such a talented athlete, but there was this like, oh, well, you know, I had a problem with how Stephanie's husband was, you know, stepping a foot out of the allotted, you know, I don't even, I don't even know, like the allotted 16 inches um, that they're allowed to like sponge her down, you know, it was like a hundred degree day. And she was really trying to like, 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 oh, I think that's classified as cheating um, kind of thing. And I'm, I really don't think that like race was at play there, but it was just one of those things where it's like, really though, like. There was no cheating going on here. Like, like would you say that about somebody else? Right. Exactly. Right. And I felt like because I was new to this space, I was a new name and a new person. There was just this like, you don't really deserve this. Um, and I felt like, I feel like I've had to really wrestle with that and process that as I am fairly new, especially in the professional realm. Yeah. I've been running for a long time, but not at this level. Um, yeah. And I, what you were mentioning just... I wanted to touch on like the nativism that I feel exists, especially where I live in Colorado, like this, you know, that, mm -hmm. that story and just, yeah, within the sport too. I think we have a lot of work to do in terms of being a little bit more welcoming and understanding that like the same 10 people like aren't always, like they aren't just like the pinnacle of the sport and it's not always just going to stay that way. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. And they're not just the only representation right. or types of people right. who should be winning or like not should be i just mean like they are not the definition of who belongs in the sport right we're on the podium yeah yeah um people definitely have ideas about who belongs in the sport so yeah that's a whole other hour i know long conversation know. <laughs> but, but yeah. with that we did want to open up the floor to any questions oh my god oh, okay. <laughs> right here yes. yes oh we have a mic <laughs> I have. <laughs> Hi. Hello. I'm I'm just curious. How do you reconcile the fact that you have to be you're you're people of color and you're women of color, but you're women also. Mm -hmm. So yeah. you have to keep yourself safe in different ways. Also, so like you have to be friendly and wave at, yeah. at, at but when like how do you reconcile when it's not like when it's your physical safety? And like you, you can't like you can't always be friendly all the time. I just would like to know that. Boom. Yeah. 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 And then how? how yeah. Allies help. Sure. Do I was I, I I'm happy to start there. Um, where I live, I do live in a fairly rural area. Um, so I run with a Garmin inReach because uh, I go, kind of go in and out of self service. Um, I'm. I run with a Garmin inReach not even when I'm like like up into the mountains. I just mean like some of our rural like dirt back roads like don't have great service. Um, so I run with that. I run with mace, and I actually run with a knife sometimes too. Um, I know that sounds like really extreme. I run with a uh, knife as well. Yeah, um, you know I do have to run past a couple homes that have very prominent uh, Confederate flags flying. And again, like this is in Colorado. It's not a dog on where I live. I I enjoy where I live, but that's just the reality of it. And I know Carolyn and I touched on this on a previous episode about how a lot of the trail 
and ultra spaces are in mountain towns and areas where you know it's kind of like i want to be away from the city to be able to do whatever i want um so it's a constant it's constantly on my mind but trying to strike a good balance like i mentioned with how i respond while like standing up for myself and being assertive that like i'm not going to apologize for being here um and like looking different than like your next door neighbor um but at the same time like it's my runs aren't and carolyn and i were having this discussion earlier earlier today my runs aren't always like therapeutic and this ability to just zone out like as a like you mentioned as being a female runner like you can't just zone out and especially in some of the spaces where we run um i do have um a lovely couple that lives like right like kind of I would say about like four miles from where I live and I, I do kind of like trail loops and stuff. And in the summertime, they're always like, we're going to put cold water out for you. We are like a safe, kind of like a safe house for you in case you have any type of encounters. You can't, you know, like sprint the five miles off the trail to get back to your home. Um, and I, I met them like on the trail and that's really wonderful to know that I have this kind of safe place, um, you know, that's five miles away from my home and it's kind of like a middle ground. Um, and that has been really helpful for me. And I feel safer knowing, especially it's like a comfort, like I run past their home and I'm like, okay, like they're there. If anything happens, you know, I have my Garmin in reach, you know, like, but my husband can't get there, get there as quickly as he would hope. Um, I, I do have that safe place there. And I really appreciate them doing that for me. I'm mostly um, worried about getting lost you know, like on, on trails and stuff like that. And so um, I um, have only ever encountered uh, a shady person once on a trail. Um, and then I listened to my intuition. I'm very intuition driven. And um, and so I turned around with, you know, they they, they sort of passed me. Uh, and you know, anybody that wears cologne on a trail, they they they're not on trails all the time <laughs> and like and it was just like you know that amygdala was firing you know and i was like mm -hmm. you know what let me turn around let me get out of here i had, took my knife out uh that my uncle gave me <laughs> i know actually it was my sister's boyfriend uh he's like you you need a you need something when you out there <laughs> okay <laughs> it's so, not wrong yeah. so you know yeah. so and i still have that um so when I, especially when i'm uh like out and like in the back country because i like to go far where there's no humans but when there's when mm -hmm. when i do that and there's somebody with cologne on they're not that's yeah. that's one of those things where you you are not supposed to be yeah. here. Like what mm. what are you what are you doing here? Like why are you wearing why are you wearing uh, Christian Dior? You know, um, so there's that. But like I, um, and and actually that person turned out um, that that was down south when I used to live in Georgia, and that person turned out to be a murderer. What? Oh my gosh, Myrna. Was yes, on the trail that I trained on. Oh my yes. Ugh. Um. So. <laughs> That's like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like like everyone should listen to their tuition. It's not like a soft thing or whatever. It's a real thing. It's a real part of our brain that fires up when something is wrong. So um, so I would I would definitely say that. Uh, there was another story I was going to tell, but I forgot. Maybe I'll come back to it. <laughs> I'll say you know for anybody, I think making eye contact with us. Mm -hmm. Although yes, I get it. Like when you're out for a run, oftentimes you're also just like trying to get it done. Um, but honestly, I feel like that helps, um, in many different ways. One for like, for us as 
for anybody who is, you know, female identifying, um, this is like part of self-defense where like when you make eye contact with someone else who is like passing you immediately, that kind of like that gives them the awareness too that you are aware of them. Um, but I would say as an Asian American female, um, who's, I am so used to people just kind of like ignoring my presence and, you know, only acknowledging the presence of my white runner friends who are with me, um, that oftentimes, especially on trails too, like I get concerned that like, did you register that I am here? Because if something were to have happened to me, you know, and if there are like police reports or whatever, like trying to find this missing woman, like, would you have been aware that I was there? Um, to know that somebody else who's like other runners who are around me, like make eye contact with me, that simple act of like acknowledgement is reassuring. Um, and I don't know, I feel like eye contact anywhere in any setting. And then like, you know, notice <laughs> what people are wearing. And yes. I, I like, yes. I, I take account, like if, if I'm out there for a while, which I usually am out for a couple of hours, um, you know, if somebody passes me, you know, I do mm -hmm. like, I think it's so weird when people don't uh have eye contact especially when you're the only two people out there yeah. uh that is also a, an erasure thing i think but also like it's weird so but i'm like i'm looking at them yeah okay he's mm -hmm. okay he got tights on they kind of smell all right okay <laughs> um yeah no, the other thing is like in terms of keeping yourself safe whether you're in a city uh, an urban setting or a, a, a more rural setting is telling people where where are you going to be? How long you expect to be out? I mean, that should be standard. I know I'm by myself now. Uh, my son is in college. But anytime I go out on a trail, I'm like, I, I and I have people in, the, in my former community that you know, I'm still close with. So I will tell them I'm going to go out on Hunger Mountain. I expect to be back in six hours. Mm -hmm. If I don't text you in you know, six and a half hours, please, uh, please come and look for me or please text me. Please call me. And then uh, or I'll, you know, when my when my son wasn't in college, I would leave something on the refrigerator. Here, I'm going to be out at such and such and such. Or I'd look peek in his room. I'm going to be blah blah blah. Did you hear me? Yes, mom. <laughs> you know, um, you know, telling somebody where you are, where, you ex where when you expect to come back. That should be a standard part of your practice, even if you're running in a city like Boston, right? Um, just to keep yourself safe, to let people know that you're out there, um, and to expect you back. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the question. Yeah. Actually, my question is also regarding safety, because all the tools and the steps that you guys are talking about, whether it's knife or mace, I feel meant, I feel angry that I have to do that. Yeah. This is my space this yeah. is for my well-being. Yep. I have, I am lucky that I'm financially able to buy myself a treadmill, so that is, I can go run mm -hmm. anytime that even it's like three o'clock in the morning, I just go downstairs, right, to like run out some anger whether it's about this or anything else. But um, but when I go outside, even in broad daylight, because a, a lot of the news, it isn't a dark place. It isn't always a rural place that there aren't a lot of people or not well lit. It just could happen any given time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm looking for advice to get over that anger that yeah. predators are invading my hobby, my space, my community. And mm -hmm. I don't know how to get over that oh yeah yeah keep running on that treadmill <laughs> three o'clock in the morning <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean 
I definitely resonate with that question because so many times, like, like my husband will kind of joke and be like, Hey, like pick your battles. Okay. You know, because I, I sometimes struggle to like find a good equilibrium in terms of how I react because like you, I feel, I get very like frustrated and angry that I have to like gather all this crap and like shove it into my tights. And like, my husband doesn't have to do that, you know? Um, and so I try to, it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't want to be like explosive when I go out and like, you know, like someone just like says something to me and then I'm like reacting in a certain way. Um, but at the same time, there is a reality that like we have to face. Um, and I guess like Myrna mentioned, just trying to do the best to take care of myself and like reinforce those good practices, like listening to intuition, and trying to understand that like I can't control like all the things that happen on my run but I do have control over like how I react to things like I and like an analogy um that was recently presented to me um a couple of days ago was like understanding that like I'm not just this like ping pong going back and forth like through life like I can be very like grounded in my decisions and my reactions um, and really trying to focus on that. Um, I know that that though, that doing so doesn't take away from the frustration of the realities of being a female runner. And additionally, like adding on the layer of being a female person of color as well. So female identifying, but yeah, I got nothing. Okay. <laughs> Any other questions? I just stay angry. That's not <laughs> it fuels my runs. Yeah. <laughs> just, I, I got to start leading. Do you have to let go of your anger? Yeah, sure. Please, like, you just said it for another thing. I think, like, maybe just I stay angry. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think, I don't think necessarily. This is a therapy it's session, y'all. Okay. It's, yeah. it's not. Okay. No, I, I, I think anger is real. And yeah. uh, just because it's uncomfortable doesn't mean we have to try to make it go away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, Stephanie, you, you framed it really beautifully in terms of just understanding what do I have in my realm of control. Yeah. And, and there are people, I mean, put it in a different context. Like, I hate that people like drink alcohol and get in cars. Yeah. And I'm still going to wear my seatbelt. And I'm still going to like mm -hmm. be attentive and mm -hmm. do the things that I can do to be as safe as I can. And that isn't me being angry isn't going to stop other people from doing that. Yeah. But I'm, I also don't have to choose to never drive. Mm -hmm. Right. Because some people choose to do that. Right. Yeah. So I, I think there's there's a there there has to be some balance of where do I choose to put my focus that serves me? Mm -hmm. And then where can I choose to let my focus move away from yeah. um, because it doesn't serve me. And so sometimes recognizing it is worth being angry because you mm -hmm. feel unsafe, mm -hmm. but you don't have to live in that state all mm -hmm. the time. Yeah. Really well. That's thank you, Emily. That's, that's yeah. our silly, really, really well said. <laughs> yeah. Emily Saul, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> Thank you. Like, what's your fee? No. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah. Is it working? Okay. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for doing this. Um, I don't even know if I'll be able to articulate my question very well, but I came here because I admire all three of you through the social medias, and it's really cool to meet you in real life, and it's refreshing that you know, sometimes you don't know what that's going to be like when you see people on Instagram, but like, it's awesome. So thank you. Um, and I came to Boston 
with my daughter. Oh, hey, daughter. Um, in Boston with my daughter, <laughs> who is getting ready to go to college. And I, you know, I mean, obviously, I am a white woman, um, and I am raising a white daughter and two little boys, too. They're not so little anymore, but um, she's the oldest. So anyway, um, what I, I, I've read Allison's book. Um, I feel like I, you know, all three of you in my following on Instagram is because I, I admire you. I want to learn. I want to hear of your experiences. And I, I think where I'm at is like, I don't necessarily, I feel like I, my, um, role in this is sometimes to just like, listen and create space by like making room for that. And I heard you say earlier, like we do, we need to um, see it and say it or yeah, see it and say it and keep having these conversations. And that's how we move the needle. I just, sometimes I feel like, so this level of helplessness and heart, my heart feels broken over like, how are we making change and where is the hope? I know the fact that we're here in this room, that's part of where that hope is and that that can continue. And I just would love to hear from you all um where you find that hope and how to you know it's kind of like um I don't know if this is a foolish analogy or not but like with um the climate change you know and I think like okay I can recycle this or I can like pick up the trash on the beach but then I look out at the ocean and I'm like oh my god (laughs) like is this making a difference is this little grain of sand doing something I mean, I know I have to hold on to that hope, but like, do you have thoughts? I'm just rambling. Any no, thoughts on this? No, no, no. I'll scout. <laughs> Especially like with yeah. bringing my daughter. Like, yeah. I'm like, she is the hope. She daughter. is the future. Daughter, where are we going to college? Do you know? Yep. I- UNC Chapel Hill. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Nice. Congrats. <laughs> we'll pretend that we didn't hear that. I'm just like, um, I I think thank you for your for your question. I think um, I also get you know disheartened or feel disheartened uh, a lot of the times. I my I do diversity, equity, and inclusion work professionally, uh, and for as many strides as I see making strides uh, that have occurred, you know, there's a lot of backstepping as well. But you know, just just to give you an example, I, I so I do this. Oh, I did. I used to do this race called Trans Rockies Six Day Stage Race, and um, and the first time I went was in 2007. I was the only black person there um, out of all of the uh, runners, and you know I'm I'm used to being the only. I and and it so I don't even notice anymore, right? Um, so, but you know, of course, I posted on social media about my experiences. I had an amazing time. Uh, even though I didn't finish that year, I had a great time and immediately signed up for the next year. The next year, there were three black people there, at, the three more black people. And uh, they were like, we saw your social last year and you seem to have had a good time. So, so we were like, it must be okay then. The next year, all of Harlem was there. <laughs> Literally, like Harlem Run and Under Armour like did a huge thing. And, and then there were all these there were all these people of color, not just black people. There were all also Latinx people. There were also Asian American people there, um, and and it was just a glorious thing to see. So th- so there are 
absolute, uh, absolutely things happening um, that are, uh, that prove that, you know, the work that we do is worth it and it's working. Yes, it's working. Um, but when you talk about, like, when you gave the example of recycling, like, you know, picking up, picking up trash or, you know, uh, or, or recycling a bottle or something like that, that matters, even though um, there's a lot of literature that says that it doesn't. And we like, obviously, the systemic things have to uh, happen as well. But we can also play our part in the little relationships that we have and being invitational to others and disrupting poor behavior and not accepting it. The, 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 the thing that I see um, that is, is the biggest problem is just people letting, letting stuff happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, silence uh, and and being silent bystanders. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the the fact that you're here, you've heard this conversation. Hopefully you'll go to college and be like, I'm not these amazing ladies. (laughs) Um, They're like talking about like whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And we should do it. (laughs) You know. I, that this stuff is important too, like the, the soft stuff, um, the big systemic stuff, uh, the big speeches, the big movements are absolutely important. But those things don't happen without the little right. relationships, yeah. the little it, things that we do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So all of it is important. So keep doing it. Mm-hmm. If you can do things at a more systemic uh, level, do them. Mm-hmm. But these things, these things um, are really important as well. Yeah, definitely. Like, just like, thank you so much just for being here. Like, I can attest, like, just the, the validation and just being seen and like listened to. And that's like Carolyn and my like goal with this show and this podcast and moving into the future with it is less of this like, okay, us rigidly sitting here interviewing Myrna and having her list off all of her accolades. I mean, I think we've seen like podcasts like that done over and over again. Like, Carolyn and I have both been on shows like that too, but it's more about like having these conversations and just sharing about our different experiences so that we can kind of like give some of our like, not like bird, like burden you with what we've experienced, but just to like kind of share some of like the hurt and just the confusion even that we've experienced um, and just on a human level, not even on like, you're a white woman, Myrna is a black woman, but just like, hey, like this is the type of hurt that like Myrna experienced like being on her own street and like we can all just kind of empathize with how like shitty that feels. Um, And so like I said, and how Myrna said, like it is these little conversations and they are very much worth it. Um, and just like listening to each other. Like, I truly want to listen to you as well and like, you know, share in your burdens as well. Um, so I just wanted to thank you for that and reiterate everything that Myrna said as well. Yeah, thank you. I think that there's a component of continuing to show up in the everyday. I mean, just like we do in training, right? That like, I think we've, I, I don't know if you guys have seen the image of like, um, there's like an ocean or something and then at the top, or not, maybe not even ocean, I don't know. Like there, it looks like it's like a pyramid, right? Of steps. And then you have the person with their like medal after having finished the race, they're standing at the top. And then the caption is something like, oh yeah, like this is what we see. Like the above yeah, picture of like, yes, I've succeeded and I made it. Um, but what we don't see is like all this, like the diligence, the commitment, the sacrifice, the, all of this, the showing up in the day-to-day things. And just as that is true, you know, in our training athletically, it's true, just practicing how to be, uh, sure, we can use the term be a good ally, but just being a good person in general. um, And 
on, in one, on one hand, showing up where you are, you know, in the ways that you know to, but then on the other hand too, like seeing the areas that you can push yourself out of your comfort zone a little, whether it is like speaking up mm -hmm. when you see something mm -hmm. that is happening that's not right, or if it's like, you know, commenting. I feel like commenting on social media nowadays mm -hmm. is like, Nobody wants to do that because like what's on the internet is forever, you know, and like you don't want to get canceled, all that. But like that allows and enables, you know, people with voices uh, like that speak harm, you know, to continue on if nobody else is there to help disrupt, you know, and like just ways like that to also challenge and move yourself to be a disruptor in different ways, knowing that. We're all, we all have different roles to play. Like we don't all have to be the next Myrna or we don't all have to be the Alison Desir, you know, like there are people doing things on the systemic change level. There are people do like all of us, we're doing things in our own spheres and we bear influence and impact where we are and that ripples out, you know? Yeah, just well said, Carolyn, because I just thought of like oh, just a super super brief story but um i have like a former neighbor who was kind of like a bystander um during 2020 when i was out on a run um and it was the, honestly the fortunately the very first time in my life where i'd had a very like hurtful racial slur like thrown at me um be because of being asian and honestly you know it's been three years now i don't remember what the woman looked like i don't remember her voice i don't remember what she was wearing like the woman who said that very hurtful racial slur to me, what I do remember is my neighbor standing there silently in, and this is not like a, a bash on the Boston Marathon, but I vividly remember what my neighbor was wearing and she was wearing a Boston Marathon jacket and an Iron Man like visor. And I just, that's what I remember about that situation is my neighbor being silent and not saying anything and not making eye contact with She me. was a jerk because she was wearing a visor. Staring. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, like that's, that's what I remember from that scenario. And I feel like that speaks volumes, um, just in terms of how to, how to be a good ally. And just, again, it's not even about that. It's just being a good human. But, and it's so, it's so hard to like, when you see stuff like that happen, it's so hard to kind of step out of your own comfort zone. It is. And say yeah. something. Um, but it's something you have to practice. Right. Um, and not everybody feels empowered to do that because, you know, they're worried about their own safety. They're worried about this or that, how they're going to look in the community, you know, whether or not that person's on the school board or, you know, like there are all these things, uh, that play into whether or not someone speaks up, you know, when, when yeah. you're at work and something yeah. really shitty happens, you know, in a meeting and no one speaks up, no one supports uh, a person that has that has spoken up or expressed themselves, but they do it in their DMs. Mm. They, yeah. they send them emails after yeah. the meeting. This is like the story of my life. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for saying that. Thank you for doing this, leading this Classic. meeting, but never in public. Yeah. That doesn't mean it. That doesn't do anything to change the status quo. Yeah, in the public state. It's hard. It it really it really is hard. And like and like um and like you said in the beginning, you know, stepping into the discomfort or just sitting with the discomfort in the work. We say leaning into the discomfort, knowing that it's you know it's going to maybe hurt our egos, you know, but hurting our egos is not going to kill us. Fate, um, but helping someone else thrive will keep us alive. Will keep us all alive. Definitely, what could your neighbor have said that would have been helpful to you in that moment? Yeah, I 
you know, I've like replayed that scenario so many times in my head. Like to this day, it's still like one of like the top three, like most hurtful situations I've ever gone through just as a human. Um, Really, I don't even know what she could have said, but really just even if she had just looked me in the eye and acknowledged me and like acknowledged the fact that like we live next door to each other. I've like taken care of your dogs. Like even just like the eye contact. I know it's like kind of this central thing we've been talking about, but I mean, of course, though, I wish that she would have like made eye contact with me and said like, hey, like we don't use those words or like that's like you can't say that to another human. Um, And yeah, I I don't know. Like I can't, I don't think I can articulate like exactly what I would have wanted her to say because I don't think my brain even like allowed myself to go there. It was just, it's like my brain just wanted the bare minimum um, in that situation. And I just wanted her to like acknowledge that I was there and not act like I was invisible. Um, and that story really reminded me of like when Carolyn, you talked about like the eye contact at the expo and like feeling like you were kind of invisible. Um, I think that's like, that's really it. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Thank you. There's a question in the back to me. You're right. You're a hero. We're in the metaphor. <laughs> a certain race this I, morning? I might have. Um, <laughs> I'm Tamika. Um, first of all, shout out to you ladies and uh, this podcast. I just wanted to double down, triple down on something that Carolyn said during the pandemic, um, which was to go home and love your families. Mm-hmm. I don't know your name, but I think about the, you know, all white family that lives in the middle of Utah that has to drive 60 miles to see a person of color. Mm-hmm. That's like, well, what can we do? Like, mm-hmm. there, we don't know any black people. We don't know any people of color. So, like, there's nothing that we can do. It's like are you a good person? Like, are you a good mom to your daughter? Like, does your daughter respect you as a person? Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like all of these situations where it's like you can make space for someone, you can learn, you can understand and grow. So when you do encounter those situations where you're like, well, this doesn't seem right and I feel like I don't have any power here. It's like, well, if this was your daughter and this was happening, mm-hmm. like, would you speak up for yep. that person? Mm-hmm. And, yep. yeah. and so that that's just one of those mm-hmm. things where, sure. that really stuck with me. So, mm-hmm. But thank you guys so much for talking. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, all right. Yeah, I think. And a water was out too. Martinez, I know you got a question. I should just, just get caught. I just messed up with you. What motivates the murderator? Oh, please. <laughs> I feel like, yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. God. Thank you, everybody. I'm like, so, so much. For I'm so appreciative. And God, we're making strides. It's going to be available on all streaming platforms soon <laughs> um and i think you can find all of us on our own like there's wait i have googled like Mernivator. oh yo, yes we have oh yeah there we go perfect <laughs> yes thank you all for being here we know that you there's a ton of stuff going on yeah this we, weekend we want so to acknowledge there's so time. many other events going on and we are a very new space uh that carolyn and i are continuing to cultivate and we are very very grateful um that all of you made time for us today um just within the very busy weekend and festivities ahead so have a wonderful wonderful weekend everyone thank you everybody one more round of applause yeah big round of applause
Just want to say thank you one more time to our incredible speakers. Thank you all so much. And just wanted to once again invite you all to join us for some snacks. We have some charcuteries, some some uh, yeah, good yeah. things for afterwards. And also <laughs> want to invite you back in for a shakeout run tomorrow morning if you're interested. Besides that, have a great evening. Thank you.